Hey, we're Hi. glad you joined us tonight. We're going to have a wonderful time in uh, discussion tonight. I just want to say a couple of things before we get started, and then we're going to uh, shift it over to some announcements. And, and uh, I want to talk about uh, determination. Some people succeed because they're, they're destined to, but most people succeed because they're determined to. Mm. You know, what is, what is, what is your mm. drive? What's driving you? What's your determination? Determination is key to everything, to succeeding, to winning. When you are determined, your mind is set, it's fixed, and nothing can cause you to sway your thinking or to give up on your hopes and dreams. Yeah. Determination is a driving force. You know, when, we, when we're going through life, there's a lot of obstacles that come our way, a lot of things that inter want to interfere. But if your determination is stronger than anything that interferes with it, you're going to succeed. Amen. Amen. Failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is stronger. Failure will never overtake us unless our determination is less than the failure that's coming our way. I think that uh, in, in our walk with God, we as believers must be determined to overcome. Amen. And to do great exploits. Amen. The difference between an impossible and the possible lies in a man's determination. Amen. Now, these are just, just uh, uh, comments here that uh, I've, I've picked up from other people. That one was, uh, that last one was from uh, Tommy uh, Lasorda. Uh, this <laughs> one here is from uh, Dennis Watley. Determination gives you the resolve to keep going in spite of roadblocks that lay before you. In spite of roadblocks. How many of us have had roadblocks yeah. in our life that something has gone into our past, fallen into our path yeah. that is trying to keep us from, from succeeding or going forward? Right. As believers, this is talking about Christians now, we should never be sitting on the porch because Christ enables us to do all things, and we can truly do whatever we set our mind to. Now, that, that goes across the board whether you're a believer or not. If you set your mind to do something, you can do it. The problem is that many people hold back. But we're, we are supposed to do great exploits. That's what the Word of God says. We're, we're to do great exploits, but we don't need to hold back. There are many of us in here that have dreams, we have visions of things that we want to accomplish and things we want to do, and my question is, what's holding us back? Yeah, amen. What's keeping us from being what we want to be and what God wants us to be? Yes. So I encourage you today, if you have, if you have been sitting on the porch, let today be the day you determine to get off the porch and start running with the big dogs. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Anyway, that's our open for the day. I, you know, I, I thought, you know, as many people that's on the news and said, well, here's, this is the open there for the go. day. I thought I'd do an opening <laughs> for the day. Like so like anyway, yeah. here's our opening. That's Get great. off the porch and start running with the big dog. There you yes. go. Right, well, I want to talk to you about a few announcements. Last night, we went straight into the ministry, and we had a great time last night talking about, you know, the word of the Lord and about the uh, importance of our declarations, our decrees, and how we're presenting things. And and uh, it, was a, it was a good show. If you didn't get to see it, you need to check it out and let God encourage you in the way that you make your 
declarations and decrees and make sure that we're speaking the positive truths that the Lord has for us. But we didn't take time last night to do any of the announcements. So I want to take a minute and do that. And I know that you see them on the open as the broadcast is coming in, but sometimes we all tune in at different times and we'll probably recap again at the close of the broadcast. This coming Sunday, August the 9th, is our back-to-school anointing service. Of course, we're doing it differently than we've always done it in the past. We recognize that, you know, uh, we're not supposed to be laying hands on people, et cetera, but we're going we're gonna to have the family. We're going to pray corporately as pastors over the, the children, and not only the children, but the educators. We always include our educators. I, I think it's vitally important. We've got several people in our churches that work in various aspects at different schools, whether it's charter schools, Louisiana public schools, private schools, we have all of that whole gamut between our churches. And so, um, <coughs> excuse me, so we're going to be praying over the educators as well. We are believing, you know, uh, this is our theme for this month. Bethany said, I really feel led about this. How do y'all feel with it? Like we have refocus. Yeah. You know, we, and, as, and as I said last night, we started off uh, the year being 2020, and you think about your eyes and your eyesight, but it's time to refocus as we're going into the latter part of this year and we're going into the school year. And so we're refocusing and as we're doing that, we want to just make sure that we are um, ministering effectively to everybody and that we're still including the things we normally do, but if we have to be creative and do it differently, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to pray corporately as pastors from the platform over all of the teachers, the educators, those working in the school system, and all of our children, including those college age that are going back to college. Uh, we have some that'll be leaving the state next week, going back to college, and we're just believing for this to be an amazing school year. In spite of all the challenges, our God is greater, and he equips us. He's already equipped us for every challenge we'll ever face. Amen. So when we keep our focus on him, he's going to help us get through all of the different transitions and challenges that are being imposed and we can just put our trust in him our confidence our hope in him he's going to guide us and direct us so that's what we're going to do and uh we'd love for you to come if you're unable to come or maybe your children are part of our congregations for those that are members of our church we have some special gifts for the children that we're presenting to them as they go back to school and if they're unable to be here i know that we just yesterday had some members of our new orleans campus that came down with covid and um so we're we're praying and believing for god to touch and heal them and so we know they're not going to be able to come this sunday because of a quarantine and and health issues but we will mail the packets to those that are unable to be physically present. So we just wanted you to know that. That's this Sunday, August 9th, back to school anointing. And if you say, well, I can't come and be there, but I've been watching your ministry online the past several months, or maybe you're new to our, our viewing audience and you say, I want to be included in that. Hey, we're going to be praying for all of you. And, and that prayer is going to happen live in our 9 a.m. service, again in our 11 a.m. service at each of our campus locations. And we're going to be praying. And hey, there's no limit through prayer. And so as we pray, we believe God's going to bless your children, your grandchildren, and, and those of you that are school teachers, etc. It's going to be a great year. Let's begin to decree and declare that it will be a great year. Amen. Nothing happens today in my life that surprises God. God knew all of this from the foundation of the earth, that we would be here 
right now for this season, and it's all good, and he's going to help us through it. Also, we want to look at August the 31st. We're beginning our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I know many churches have already begun doing 21 days of prayer and fasting leading up to the school session. Ours is being conducted a little bit differently as we're doing it in conjunction with the Jewish holidays and Rosh Hashanah. And so it will be the ending of this uh, year according to the Hebraic calendar, the year of the mouth, and we will be welcoming another year. So it's going to be August 31st through September 20th. And you may say, well, I don't know what to fast. I don't know what to give up. Well, it doesn't have to be a meal. It doesn't have to be food. Some of you, maybe you have certain dietary needs and you need to eat. We sure don't want to jeopardize you in those areas. But if you seek the Lord, he'll show you something you can give up. Maybe it's giving up your favorite television program or 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 something else that and during that time that you normally would have allocated for that committing that time just to be in the presence of the Lord not only to ask him for things but to just honor him hopefully our prayer times are not just consisted of God can you do this can you do that can you do the other thing and a bless me time we need to take time to bless the Lord and exalt him and lift him up. So that begins August 31st. And then we're going to begin having a couple of nightly midweek services, our first time since the 1st of March. So that will begin on November the 7th. We will be at our campus at uh, Praise Church of New Orleans on a Tuesday night. I think we've got it backwards on the uh, website here on the information, but on Tuesday nights, we do midweeks in New Orleans, and Wednesday nights, we do midweeks in Gonzales. We're going to focus on believing for breakthrough. These are going to be breakthrough meetings. What do you need a breakthrough for? Again, if you're not physically able to come, that's okay. We're going to be coming to you live, just like we do every Tuesday and Wednesday night. But for those of you that say, hey, I want to put on a mask, and I want to come, and I want to worship with you, and I want to be in the house, and I'll sit six feet apart from everybody else, but I want to be there in the presence of the anointing, and I'm receiving from God, we invite you to come. The first one will be Tuesday night, November, I mean September the 7th at, at 7 o'clock. And the next one is September the 8th. September 8th is Tuesday. Is it really? Okay, we've got it all wrong on here, and I'm reading it from here. I'm sorry. It's okay. Okay, so it's going to be the Tuesday and Wednesday nights, (laughs) the second week of September. There you go. I'm going to get my act together before I make the next announcement. Okay, so on the 8th is a Tuesday night. We will be in New Orleans, and the Wednesday night, the 9th, we will be in Gonzales at our campus. And so we're looking forward to it. Mark those dates and join us. Last thing I want to say, we're about to kick off our synced groups, and they will be being conducted initially via Zoom. We still have the grief group that's going on on Monday nights at our New Orleans campus, and we've just got a lot going on. Best thing for you to do is go to our website, Check it out on our Facebook pages. If you're like me, there's so much going on in my life, it's easy for me to forget and get the dates mixed up and forget when things are happening, but we'll have the correct information on our media um, pages, our website, etc., so that you can come and worship with us and be a part of all the things that are going on. Okay. You can't do announcements anymore. <laughs> I messed it up, didn't I? 
Well, you, you see, we're just human like everybody else. We make <laughs> mistakes right. and keep on ticking. Amen. So tonight, uh, Josh and Bethany is going to be, be uh, talking about some, I think there's going to be some good topics here that they have, and, and then we're going to discuss some things, and we're going to pray for you. It's going to be a great, a great time tonight. So which one of y'all want to go first? Josh. All right. Well, when we talk, they need prayer after. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, um, you know I think I think this. Um, I was telling Pastor and them this earlier, but this hurricane and Pastor Bev has the better pronunciation. But I I I I I I a I s a something I say is so whatever it is that they just went up the east coast of Florida and um, you know we have a we have a corporate office in Philadelphia and. They don't get many hurricanes, but I was talking to them. They lost a lot of a lot of them lost power. Um, you know, they're having some flooding in there, and and, and uh, this hurricane that came up, it, it was just supposed to be a tropical storm, and it you know the east coast of Florida, then through North Carolina where I have family, and all the way up through um, Maine and stuff like that. My boss got it last night. And he lives in Maine, and. Um, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm like, wow, that is the most populated part of the United States, really the East Coast, and in, in the tri-state area, which is, you know, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York, is probably one of the largest populated areas in all the United States. And, uh, and so, um, you know, in this hurricane, name translates to Isaiah in the Hebrew, and it means God is my salvation or God is salvation. So I'm sitting here thinking, you know, on the East Coast, um, where we have all, you know, in New York City and all these places, you know, here they come with this storm called God is my salvation sweeping across our nation. Uh, and then, you know, back in June, we had a storm came right up Louisiana or, or, and, you know, through the, the Gulf Coast area called Cristobal, which means barrier of Christ. And so the, these, these storms this year are having uh, a theme in some of the meanings of the name. So, you know, a barrier Christ came through, and now God is my salvation came through. And, and so I just believe that God is speaking. There, um, you know, there has been many words, but I won't go into all that. That's speaking, you know, God says I'll speak, you know, through signs and wonders yeah. and, and, and through the atmosphere and, you know, and, 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 and through nature. Yeah. And so I believe that God is speaking um, that he's not done right. with this nation. Right, right, right. He's not done Amen. with anybody. Um, that, that we are still called to be bearers of Christ. Yes. Come on. Yes. And that when we get in trouble, as we talked <laughs> about last week with Nehemiah and the building of all, and you gather together under the word of God, that to remember that God is my salvation, amen, that he is for us. And so um, I just think it's an exciting time. I, I just feel in my spirit it's, it's been a hard year. Actually, a lot of people have lost a lot this year. Yeah. A lot of people have been through... Um, so many circumstances, yeah. but in my spirit, there's this anticipation, yeah. uh, and I've told Bethany, I said, something about the month of September, when we get to that month of September, and you know, I could be wrong, and that's okay, and then start again into the latter part of September, I feel there's going to be a shift, and I just feel somehow, as we get through the end of this year, we're going to look back and say, despite all that happened, it was a good year. Uh-huh. And, and, and I believe that. I truly believe that. I believe that we're going to see the hand of God move, and he's not done with us. So Amen. that's not really my message. Uh, <laughs> oh, 
But I just want to encourage you in that because God's not done with our nation, right? Amen, amen, amen. And so, um, you know, I think in spite, not to interrupt you here, but I'm going to interrupt you here. In spite of all the doomsayers, and and I'm talking about people that call themselves prophetic. Yeah. You know, they're prophesying, man, uh, America's going down the tubes, but I tell you what, I think I think they're listening in the wrong realm. Right. Yeah. God's not finished with America right. yet. Yeah. We got some great days ahead of us. God, we, God has put too much in America for it to fail. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I could go into a long way that, but a lot of that prophecy comes out of Calvinism uh, and the judgment of God, the judgment of God, the judgment of God. But Christ became the judgment come on so that we can be cleansed and redeemed so we don't have to live in judgment we can live in redemption and 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 the redemption is there but the choice of redemption is for people in a nation to decide and so um so uh, there, there there are two paths well there's two plans for america let's just be honest there's the plan of god and there's the plan of satan right and satan wants to destroy this nation and god wants to continue to preserve this nation uh, so that the gospel can still, even though we, we have our problems and now there's multicultural religions in our nation, we still have a very heavy influence on the Christianity throughout the world. Uh, and so, uh, and I think of my aunt, you know, she's from the Philippines, and when she goes back, she smuggles Bibles in. And she has to smuggle them in because if they get caught, it could be, their, it could be the end of their life. Uh, and, and they go to prison. And, you know, and, and so it's like, you know, in America, we have such an opportunity to have freedom of religion, and then there's places like that where people are willing to risk their life yeah. just to give someone a Bible, and we can't even get sometimes people to get off the couch to come to church, and we have this same God, and so it's like, okay, if I was a business owner and I had two employees and one is risking everything, and one is doing nothing, right. and it came time for promotion. Yeah. It's not that I favor either one. It's the heart and the action, and, and God is looking for heart and the action. So as a church, you know, we need to rise up, but I'm going to talk to uh, tonight just a little bit about the nobodies who came to shame the somebodies. And <laughs> okay. I'm glad to be part of the nobodies. All right, let me just tell you, I, I'm super excited. You know, it, it, Jesus was born as a nobody. Come on. He, he was born in a, in a stable, essentially, with right. animals. And he didn't have really clothing, but they took strips of what they could find and put it together, and that was his first blanket. And, uh, and, I, and I loved one of the movies uh, that Christmas, and it says, The King of Kings, born in the most lowly of places. See, it doesn't matter where you start, but it matters where you end. You know, you know, you can be a runner, and you could be so far ahead of the pack, but if you lose your endurance, and if you lose your stride, people will pass you up. And it doesn't matter who started the race well. The trophy does not go to the person that led nine out of the ten laps. The trophy goes to the person that crossed the tenth lap first. And so sometimes I think in, 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 in life we get such a great start, especially Christians. some reason we just start so well, we don't finish well. And I think God is really trying to um, 
work that in us. And so, you know, um, where you come from is where you come from. It is what it is, right? But we don't have to live in that. We don't have to stay in that. You don't have to continue. If you, if you have great dreams in your heart, you don't have to live the, what everyone else has ever done before you. You, you know, you have the option of God to speak into your life and to give you encouragement and to do far greater. And so, um, you know, and so it's, I say that because tonight I'm going to talk about, you know, our calling and, you know, I'm going to read from the Passions Translation because it's a poetic version of the Word of God. And, and, and I'll start, um, I guess, about verse 18 in chapter 1 of First uh, Corinthians. It says, to preach the message of the, calls, of the cross, excuse me, seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction. Uh, the Word says that they can't understand the cross. They can't understand the things of God. And so sometimes I think we're just taking our breath and wasting it trying to tell someone about the cross when it's foolishness to them. They won't get it. He said, but those who are on the way to salvation is the mighty power of God released in us. For it is written, I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise, and I will invalidate the intelligence of the scholars. Mm. See, that's what I'm talking about. You can be a nobody. And if the power of the cross is inside of you, God can use a nobody to dismantle the wise and then the greatest scholars he can use to confound their mind. And how did such a simple man with the Holy Spirit inside of them, they even talked about the disciples in the beginning, these uneducated men, how are they speaking in this authority? And so um, he says, so where is the wise philosopher who understands? Where is the expert and scholar who comprehends? And where is the skilled debater of our time who could win a debate with God? Now, this is the Passion transla uh, Translation, but I like it because it makes it easy to understand. Hasn't God demonstrated that the wisdom of this world is utter foolishness? And I was just telling them a joke. Uh, you know, one of my favorite musicians next to Bethany is, um, is uh, <laughs> Jason Upton. And so I, I got to hang out with Jason a couple of times. And um, it's actually really cool. There's a CDs on and you can hear me and a couple of guys' voices in the background praying uh, as he's worshiping. Uh, but uh, there's, uh, there's this time I was telling them that, you know, he was saying, if the people think the world is wise, I pray the spirit of foolishness and stupidity upon me. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and so it's like because the world, you know, what they may seem to be wise, but really it's, it's foolish. It says, for God in his wisdom designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to discovery of himself. You will never find God through the world system. You will find gods in the world system. Uh, Egypt is a representation of the world system. They did not have a true understanding of Yahweh, but they had multiple gods, and I talked about a lot of them last week, they had multiple gods that they could find through a system, but you will never find the true God through a world system. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. But what we mean by saving the world, he came to pull the world out of the mindset yeah. and the place it was in. So if we stay in that mindset and place we're in, we won't find him. Because the Bible says that the world's an enemy against God. Um, and so he took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of a cross in order to save those who believe it. The simplicity of the cross. How powerful it is it? You know, most kings live to be honored, and this king came to die. No one understood the plan. 
How can you be a king to come save a, 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 a country? But instead of rising in power and ruling over, he gave his life. And it confounded the wisest of the wise. Like, how can someone give their life and save it? Because we would think, no, he needs to stay alive. You know what I mean? He needs to be in this place. He needs to stay alive, but that was not God's plan. He said, for the Jews constantly demanded to see miracles, miraculous signs while those who are not Jews constantly cling to the world's wisdom. But we preach the crucified Messiah. The Jews stumble over him, and the rest of the world sees him as foolishness. But for those who have been chosen to follow him, both Jews and Greeks, he is God's mighty power, God's true wisdom, and our Messiah for the foolish things of God have proven to be wiser than human wisdom. And the feeble things of God have proven to be far more powerful than any human ability. And it says about God's calling. Brothers and sisters, consider who you, were, who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise by scholar human standards, or not many of you were in positions of power. I know I wasn't. You know, I wasn't in a position of power. I wasn't a scholar when God called me. He goes to everybody, and he calls us. He goes to, um, you know, I talked to the story about the rabbis and the disciples when, you know, as Jewish children, as they're raised, they, they are taught the Torah. And, you know, by the time they're 12 or 13 years old and they have the bar for the mitzvah at 13 years old, it can literally recite the Torah almost word for word. But at that time, they're considered an adult. And if they are not in the Sanhedrin, uh, you know, with, with the Jewish priests, then they're sent back because only the elect stay. They're sent back to the family line. So Jesus called fishermen. He called a tax collector named Matthew or Levi. And, 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 and that was really bad because I, I, I am a Jew, but I'm working for the Romans, and I'm taking money from my own people, family, and village, and I'm giving it to this person that has occupied. That would be like a foreign nation coming in Ascension Parish. And you know what? You're all my family, but now I'm going to work for them, and I'm going to show up at your house, and you better give me money because I'm going to give it to them. I mean, you would look at me like that guy has sold out. But Jesus went knocking and called him to say, come and be my disciple. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and the powerless. You can be as weak as you can be in the world's eyes to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, laughable in the world's eyes, the nobodies, come on, so that they would shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what has been regarded as prominent so there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. See, God is going to get the glory. And he's not looking for all of us to have it together, but he's looking for us to honor him. And see, that's why I love David, because David was a strong man, but David was also a humbly dependent man upon God. And you hear him over and over again. God, please don't let your presence flee from me. Please search me and know me inside of me. Let the Holy Spirit stay with me. And David, throughout the Psalms, he poured out his heart to God. And even though he was king, and even though he had had power and authority and could take on bears and lions with his bare hands and he can go into battle and slain troops. He humbly depended on himself with God so that only God could get the glory. Mm. For it is not from man that we draw out life, 
but from God as we are joined to Jesus. Come on, the anointed one. I love how the Passion says that. When it talks about Jesus, it calls him the anointed one because he is the anointed one. And now he is our God, given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, our redemption. That what fulfills it is written, if anyone boasts, let him only boast in all the Lord has done. You know, one of my favorite scriptures, um, you know, it's just, it's just little things in life, just honoring God. Next week um, at our gym, we have a competition all week long, and there's a top winner every day, um, and then there's an overall winner of the week, and you can have little nicknames on the screen. So I typically have a Bible verse up. I had Romans 8.28 for a long time because it doesn't say my name, but on the screen it says Romans 8.28 because I want people to know, you know, hey, there's a Christian in this place, you know. And, and so I change mine today as I get ready for next week because it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, the, you know, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. See, in life, that has been one of my pillars of scriptures in life because God, and it doesn't matter how strong we are. It doesn't matter how educated we are. It doesn't matter all these things. Look, horses are prepared for war. Come on, come on, they're fed, they're trained, they're strong. Uh, but you know what? They realize that it doesn't matter how much of a thoroughbred you are, victory, it rests with God. It doesn't matter how lowly of a nobody you are, victory rests with God. And so that's my message tonight is that, you know, we need the somebodies and the nobodies can shame the somebodies mm -hmm. if we give our life to Christ and allow to be able to boast in him and him alone and allow. You know, you, you, some people may you say you're a simple man, but that's all right. There's been a lot of simple people, come on, that couldn't even read, that could turn out and have revival and see people heal and set a world ablaze for Jesus, ablaze for Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter your family background. Jesus goes and he calls uh, the weak. He calls the, the less fortunate. He brings us into this house. He fills us with his spirit. He gives us wisdom. And he says, all right, now I have imparted to you. Now go do in my name. And when we do in his name, I don't do in Josh's name, but when I do in the name of Jesus, I never healed in the name of Josh, but in the name of Jesus, by that act, I'm bringing glory to his name. And I'm bringing glory to the Father because the Son, the Son glorifies the Father and the Father and the Son. And so when we heal in the name of Jesus, we're bringing glory to him. Come on, when we prophesy in the name of Jesus, not out of a soulish place, but we're bringing glory to him. And so our life should be a, a walking uh, dirt ball that's filled with glory. I mean, that's what we are. We're, we're made from the earth, and to the dust we came, the dust we will return. But he, the, the, the treasure inside is what's valuable, uh, and, and we need to bring, use that to bring glory to God. Amen. That's good. Very good. Well, I know uh, each one of us, as we are determined to move forward, we can, we can walk in the victory of God, and we can look at ourselves as being a nobody, but God doesn't look at us that way. And he challenges us to go deeper with him. The word says we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, victory to victory. So even though we go through battles, he's in the battle with us, but we come out on the other side victorious. Now, Bethany, I know she's going to be in here, and we're going to sit back and listen a little bit. But uh, 
I'm looking at her notes there, stepping over vipers. <laughs> Come on, girl. Well, um, it's good to be with everybody tonight, those that are in-house and those online. And, um, you know, I shook some things up on Facebook, and that's okay. But I had posted some stuff earlier this week about statistics from a credible source, George Barna. Pastor Josh began to share about it um, <clears throat> on Sunday. And that since the pandemic until today and then now, we currently have statistics prove that one in three who have that are no longer attending church in person or tuning in online. So at the beginning, there had some people that were tuning in online. They had some people, you know, and so, you know, and I find, you know, those are statistics. We can't, you know, argue with that, you know, and um, we have proof of that even in just being in ministry. I know we have, I have several, we have, all of us have several pastor friends, people in our ministry, and that part of their congregation you know, that was very active or, or not even tuning in anymore, maybe at the beginning of the pandemic that they were, but why is that, you know? And I think that the enemy has tried to lull the church to sleep, and, and a lot of people have become complacent. And I find that people that are offended possibly with that statistic, it could be that maybe they are the one out of the three. And it could be that, you know, um, a lot of times when we're, ex we're, we're exposed or when we're, you know, um, uh, you know, things that it's not comfortable for us, right, that things that we're not doing right. And, and my challenge is not to offend um, by saying that, but my challenge is to wake up, for the church to wake up. You know, my Christianity is not based upon uh, whether I attend church or not. But the word does say clearly to forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Because when I come to church, uh, when I tune in online, if I'm not able to come to church because of health issues, and this is not what I'm preaching on, um, but, uh, but the bottom line is, is that I'm encouraged when we come together. And I'm not slamming those who can't come because of physical issues, so please don't misunderstand but I'm saying that even the tenacity and in the, in the uh, tenacity is not the right adjective. Um, the passion to be fed, not a, a beyond your own personal time with God, but to even to just tune in online. So we appreciate you all that are tuning in. We appreciate those who do make the effort to come in person and to, um, you know, make those extra sacrifices. You know, if we could go to the gym, we can go to the grocery store, we can do all these things, we sure enough can get in church. Amen. And so how many either, of you still love in me? Person or online. Even in person or online. Yes, person or online. But don't become a part of that stat that's out because we don't want to be, you know, one out of three are no longer tuning in in church. You know, I have some articles and things I've read um, and I know that you're wanting to share, too, about it. But but the, but the reality of is it of it is that people, pastors, people that are in ministry um, are seeing the effects of people falling by the wayside because they are comfortable with going to public places, but for whatever reason, not okay with tuning in online and making that a commitment. And, you know, we've had a commitment issue in, in our nation and society for so much, so much, but us as believers, we need to, um, to recommit our relationship even with God. Because I find that if we fall, if we become comfortable with not being accountable with coming into church, then we start falling off in our personal prayer time with our reading of the word. Because when we come together corporately, it's a celebration and it is an encouragement time when we come together again online or in person. But that's not what I'm preaching about. How many of you still love me? 
Okay, <laughs> as our viewership goes to one. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> I, I wanted to say um, real quick about that because I know um, some people are like, well, I don't really believe that statistic. You know, how do they know? Right. Listen, when they do these studies, I, I just want to, um, you know, they're controlled studies and, and, and they'll do them. But here's the deal. Every phone, every iPad, every computer, every device that is connected to an internet has a unique IP address. So they can very easily, if they're studying, you know, a, a section of churches or whatever, they can very easily identify through IP addresses, you know, who's logging on or who's not. And this is not scary. I mean, it's just, just the internet world that we live in. So I think when some, a reputable company does this, um, and I'm just saying that because there were some people that, well, we don't really believe those statistics does this. There are, there are ways that they can, you know, check attendance in person, obviously, you know, and then there are ways that the, when they're studying certain churches and areas and geographical locations that they can find out, you know, what's right. the online activity at. So it's, right. it's very, very doable, um, yeah. you know. Yeah, and so hopefully that was okay. Yeah, I think the, dang, the danger in this is that people begin to drift away from their commitment to God. Not, right. not forget, forget church right now. They, 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 their commitment to God begins to, to dwindle. And then they find themselves later on down the road, how did I get here? I was, I was in church for a while, and I was in church of doing good, and how did I get here? It's because we're not paying attention to the direction we're going in. Well, that's right. And we don't have the determination. Determination, you know, as I opened up the, this uh, program tonight, determination is a lot to our success, but it's also to the success of us being believers yeah. that yes, uh, we amen. don't allow anything to interfere with, with where we're going. Amen. I'm going to tell you, as a believer, we need to determine where we're going yes. and stay the course because time, time can come in a, in a moment. You know, we were, Bev and I went to, um, to a restaurant last night just to grab a quick bite after the program, and there were some people in there we knew and one of the gentlemen comes up and, and he starts talking, wants to talk about the rapture, you know, and well, you know, you, rapture's about to take place, rapture, you know. There's a lot of people that are discussing the rapture, they're discussing the end times, they're discussing all kinds of stuff right now. Reality of it is the devil is also um, coming against people to get them off course. Mm -hmm. We have to stay the course. You have to be determined. You know, Bev, Bev and I have been married 39 years now, and um, we're in it for the long haul, okay? We, we have bumps in the road. We have discussions. We have arguments. We have all these things that everybody encounters, okay? I usually win most of them, but the ones that I <laughs> oh, do lose. Oh, listen to this. Oh, my. <laughs> You're not going to win the one tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, and didn't you hear the rapture's coming? You better get it straight. <laughs> Tell it straight. <laughs> in, in our marriage, if we didn't go into it determined to make it, determined to go the long haul, then, then any little thing that would come along could have been the reason that we wanted to escape. We wanted out. I, as a believer, I can't allow little things to come into my life to get me off course, right. I have to stay the course. I have to. Uh, I, I'm in it for the 
long haul. I mean, it, the longevity has to be in me. And so my, my focus is not just living today, although I have to live today. My focus is that I'm going to make it to heaven, that I'm going to make it in that last call. I'm going to make it in, in, in the times where that, you know, whether, you know, there's such a debate about whether, whether believers are going to get caught up in the rapture and we've got people that are so looking forward to the rapture that they're ready to get out of here now because they're having to wear a mask. You know, whether we go through tribulation or whether we get caught up in the rapture, does it really matter? The bottom line is, if we're believers, we're in, we're in this thing for the long haul. No matter what takes place, no matter what, how we interpret things, I'm in it to win. Amen. I'm in it that I'm going to spend eternity with my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Well, and the thing about it is, is if we live ready, then it doesn't matter. You know, for me, it's like, why, why is it that we need to worry or have discussions? Not, not, I'm not anti-discussions in regard to that topic, but I'm saying is if we have an understanding and, and that we're living ready, so what? So what if the rapture happens? So what? You know, why is all the panic about? Because that tells me the people that are panicking, obviously there's stuff in your life you need to get right with God. Go ahead and just live ready. Just go ahead and live ready. And it doesn't matter because God's people in every famine, God's people are taken care of. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried about whatever, you know, talk about whatever, but why are you dwelling on it and bringing a fear factor? Because if you are a true blood-bought believer, you know, a child of the most high God and you're living ready, What's the deal? So, I mean, I want to talk tonight about, you know, I, I'm stirring all kinds of stuff up, and that's all right. Let me, let me stir a I like more. to I make some gumbo. Too. And then, okay, this, yes. I think this is a good topic right. here. Okay, go ahead. Uh, okay. If you don't, uh, I'm going. No, go I'm ahead. going. I'm going. Okay. I just wanted to say that my concern is that a lot of the people who are close to me are going through some, uh, there have been seasons of our lives and of different people that I've known that that we are hit with these unusual attacks mm -hmm. out that are not I mean I know that yeah the whole pandemic's unusual I know everything that's happened in 2020 has been unusual I'm not talking about that I'm talking about beyond that many people that I I love some who are actually members of our two different congregations some are people that are not in our congregations but people that I'm close to they're They've been contacting me for prayer because they're going through the most peculiar types of attacks. That's, I think, the reason it's concerned me the most. We're not so much worried. You know, there was a day and time where pastors everywhere were worried about, you know, people in the chairs, in the pews of the right. congregation. Right. Because sadly, so many churches and ministry people look at a, a pastor's success rate based on how many people are in the service right. when it is, I believe it's 85 or 90 percent. I haven't looked this up on George Barna's Institute Research uh, Institute recently, but um, I believe it's 85 to 90 percent of the churches in the United States of America of the full gospel churches have less than 100 members. So the reality is we should never be looking at the numbers of people in the churches. It's how many souls is your yes. church reaching and your congregation reaching. The plus is that after the COVID uh, uh, 
pandemic and quarantine began, you know, I was getting tickled because I was seeing pastors' wives that I know saying, well, we are trying, one, one post I saw said, we're trying so hard to teach my husband how to go online to reach the congregation. And uh, for, for 10 minutes, his video camera on Facebook was just on the salt shaker on our kitchen table <laughs> because he didn't realize to turn the screen. Now, what's happened is churches who never considered having um, a social media impact through preaching of the word suddenly have gotten on board with it and everyone is realizing, you know, um, Bethany and I have been leaders for years with Christian women in media and we've been, we've been telling people for years, you know, you've got to get your ministry connected with social media. You've got to. That's where it's at. Millennials, some of them don't even have a television in their home. They don't need it. This is their television or the computer is their television. They pull up what they want to see, when they want to see it, and they're not bothered with the rest. And they don't have all the commercials unless they haven't, you know, paid the fees. Then you, you have these little commercials come on. You have to skip the ad and go to the next thing, you know. And we've been telling people, you've got to uh, seize the opportunity. I love the way Bethany always puts it. She always says that Jesus preached a message and used the methods that were relevant at the time. Therefore, he spoke through parables. And if we are going to pattern our lives and ministries after him, we've got to make ourselves relatable to the times. The concern I have is when COVID first began, people who hadn't stepped foot in a church in years were at least tuned into a computer or, or projecting it with a screen sharing on their television or something. But they were tuned in because everybody was nervous. Everybody was scared and like, ooh, I better get my life right with God. And, and you know, you know let, me, let me watch the next broadcast. People were watching five and six different sermons from different preachers around the world on a Sunday. They were laughing because those of us that grew up going into church, churches that had revivals with a, you know, Sunday through Sunday revival meetings, we're like, hey, we got the whole revival in one day because we heard this one, that one, and the other one. We, I mean, people were just filling themselves with the word. My concern is the attacks of the enemy haven't gone away. See, after a little while, you start to get accustomed to the challenges. So people are kind of getting accustomed now this, after this many months to COVID, okay? So we're getting relaxed again. Now, we might have some adjustments because school's starting, this is happening, the other thing's happening, but we've kind of gotten relaxed. So the devil says, well, I had them keyed up over COVID. Now I got to amp up and intensify my attacks. So the attacks have increased against the people of God and people that were considering serving God. This is not the time for us to back up in receiving the ministry of the word. It doesn't have to be through our church, but find a church, find a vid, uh, uh, somebody online, find some devotionals and, 
and let make sure that you're continuing to press in for everything God has for you. This is not the time to retreat. Right. That's my Amen. concern. Yes. Because what we already felt it. We've all already sat together and talked about it, that we felt it. Then we started seeing these results coming online of the George Barna Institute about you know what their research about it. Then major Christian magazines started sharing the George Barna research. And we're like, okay, something's got to happen. We can't make people, as pastors, we can study for hours and days and weeks and have the perfect sermon that we know God told us to deliver. But we can't make anybody come to church and we can't make them look on here. But what we can do is we can say to people, we can say we encourage you to not let your guard down because of that, I, I promise you, that is a tactic Satan is trying to use right now against the very elect is to get us to let our guard down. This is not the time for right. retreat. Right. This is the time more than ever to, to, you know, to buckle up our shoe straps and to get aggressive in, the, in the, the force of propelling the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and encouraging others to do the same. We're not out of even the whole COVID battle yet. And as I said, I have been praying and interceding, and at times my heart very heavy for the needs of other people that I know. This is, and I'm interceding with them. I'm fighting the battles with them. This is not the time for retreat. That's what I want to say. Yeah, just a couple quick things. Um, number one, for me, and, and, and this is not uh, towards any one person. This is just the church globally as it is. Where I have the most concern is, is if you if you're truly concerned about COVID and you need to stay home, stay home. You know you should have that freedom to right. stay That's home, right. right? You know we we never want anyone to feel that. But where I have where I have concern um, as a pastor, as as you know a brother in Christ for people, is that a lot of times people stay home, but it's okay to go to the mall. It's okay to go shopping. It's okay to do other things. And what I'm saying is, if you're doing those things, you need to be in the house of God. Now, for our yeah. family, you know, uh, and then I'll talk about the rapture real quick. For our family, when this first thing very started, I started saying, praying supernaturally, God, supernaturally give my family the antibodies for yes. COVID. Yes, yes. And I, and I started praying, and we started taking communion, and I continued to declare. And then oftentimes I declared, we went through that book, you know, that um, last year, and, you know, that, Father, that my family would be in good health and our, our soul would prosper, uh, that we would, our, our soul would prosper and we'd be in good health. Uh, you, you know the scripture. Uh, and so I, I pray that often. And, and, and it's like, God, supernaturally, I don't have to get sick. Come on. I don't need to go take some vaccine. I don't need to do all this. What I need is the Holy Spirit to show up and to put antibodies and make my body immune. And there was a prayer that I sent Peggy O'Quinn from one of his head intercessors. And it's, it was actually a prayer that lead through against COVID-19. And I said, Miss Peggy, I think you would enjoy this. And, uh, and it said, and in that prayer it says, God, make my body hostile 
to the COVID virus. Yes, and I started yes. praying that over my family, that if it would enter in my nasal passages, it would become hostile. And that in the thing with COVID, when uh, it does is it confuses your cells. So your body attacks mm-hmm. itself and it causes inflammation wow. to grow up. Like fibromyalgia is, a, is an inflammatory disease and COVID kind of operates in that same way. That's why some of these anti-inflammation and uh, even the uh, one doctor and physician is having success with steroids because it pulls down the inflammation. Uh, and so it's really an inflammation thing that gets into your lungs that causes the trouble to breathe uh, it, but um, that it would become hostile to that and it, in, in this prayer it says that it would not confuse my white blood cells so that I would attack my own body mm-hmm. and so I, I've been praying this you know for since March um, the other thing is I want to share about you know the rapture and you know we're talking about the rapture I'm sitting here thinking like, why do we, why would you want the rapture to come? Like, we haven't seen the great move of God yet. Come right, on, I'm right, ready to right. see the blind see, the, the deaf to mm-hmm. hear. Come on, the dead raised people filled with the Holy Ghost, the church pack. God has given me dreams where I see people just lined up with sick people coming into church mm-hmm. buildings mm-hmm. because health care has gotten so expensive that hospitals are overcrowded. And the only way they can go is to go to the church that men and women, men and women, Women who are anointed under the Spirit of God would lay hands on them. I've dreamed this so many times, and they would be healed. Yeah. Amen. And it's like, why would we surrender that? Yeah. God has put us here for a great outpouring, mm-hmm. and we and Beth and I, what we're saying and what y'all are saying is, hear the call. Yes. Wake up. Yes. Recommit yourself. It's okay that you were nobody. God can make you into a somebody. Yeah. That's right. Well, it's easier to check out. That's the reason why. It's easier to check out when, when things start getting rough. Mm. It's easier to check out of church. It's easier to check out of, uh, you know, so, so it's easy to just, oh, the rapture is about to come, and a lot of people use it as a crutch because, you know, I'm just going to check out. And, and, and I'm going to get out of this rather than thinking that for such a time as this, God has placed me here. And I do believe that the greatest days are yet ahead, yes, which, is, which yes, goes yes. into what I'm going to share. I'm not going to take long because I know that there was just, I don't know, I just wanted to spur that on and shake things up, talking about all that stuff. I'm good for that, just like my daddy. So anyway, but um, real quickly, I just want to share this about, um, you know, in August, this is the eighth month of the, of the year. And the number eight, here I go again studying the numbers, but I think that it's, it's extremely significant. But the number eight means new beginnings. And I believe that God is positioning us this month for a new beginning. In fact, September in um, uh, Rosh Hashanah begins, which is the new year, the Jewish New Year calendar, new year. And I believe that in August, God is positioning things for us to go into our next. You know, we've been talking about 2019. Our whole slogan for the year was stepping into our next. And we prophetically declared that. And, um, uh, you know, and and the bottom line is, is I do believe that God's positioning for, for our next. But in order for us to go to our next, we we cannot bring our past into our next. And so we have to leave that. You know, when we see Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. That means that I'm not even supposed to be thinking about the past. 
Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. And that's the problem is a lot of people can't see the new thing because they're stuck on what's going on now. <laughs> you know, when, we, when we're even talking about the past, you know, it's not just the past, but the way that I interpret it also is it's also talking about the present. Mm -hmm. That we need to be looking and to see what the new thing is. I'm looking, I'm anxiously looking for what is the new thing? What is the new thing? Because my now is not where God's bringing me to, my next. And so we've got to see, we have to ask God for spiritual eyes. We can't be caught up, you know, and, and uh, just thinking about, you know, uh, all of our past and all this stuff and, and to be able to focus and step and see what God is doing in our, the, the next and the new thing. And says, now it's it springs up. Now it springs up. Mm -hmm. When we begin to position ourselves to yes. see the new thing, yes. that's when it springs up. Yes, amen. When we position ourselves with spiritual eyes to look beyond all the distractions. You know, our whole series this month is on a refocus. And in order for us to go into our next, in order for us to step into the new things, we have to train our spiritual eyes to refocus on the new. And once we are able to refocus, then we are able to uh, understand that now it springs forth. That's when the activation of the new is going to activate in our life. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know, in order, God has provision for us. That's why I'm not worried. You know, all of these people that want to talk about doom and gloom, you know, I just turn them off, dismiss them, hide them, delete them, all that stuff on my social media. You know, because I got to keep, I have to protect my faith. That's some right. of us, we've got to understand that even on social media, there's some people you need to just unfollow, uh -huh. you know, because it's a protection not to offend, but it's a protection of your faith. Because when you have spiritual eyes to see, that means that not only am I not going to focus on my past, but people who are not having spiritual eyes to see the next I got to pass on by you because you're yeah. going to hold me back. And we've right. got to get some tenacity in the spirit realm to understand that if we're going to go to our next, then that means that I can't even read certain posts. I can't even follow and entertain things. Doesn't mean that I've got to unfriend. You know, you can. There's some people that, you know, maybe, you know, you need to do that. Uh, but, you know, just to unfollow. You don't want to see all that stuff, you know. And I'm not, my sermon is not clearly about social media, but we do live in a social media age. And I'm saying that we've got to protect our natural eyes so that we can have the ability to see in the spirit realm. And then once we do, then now it will spring forth. And I want to perceive it. I want to perceive what God's doing the new thing. Um, you know, in Matthew chapter three, we see the beginning birthing stages of Jesus's ministry. And as he's right before he's going into that, there was, um, a man who began to prepare to excuse me to prepare the way for Christ's arrival into his next. Jesus was going into his next, going into what God had placed before him. But there was a man that was there that was to prepare the way. And he began to call people to repentance, to get their life right with God, to turn away from sin. This man was a prophet, and many of you may know who I'm talking about, and his name was John the Baptist. I believe right now there's a John the Baptist spirit that's being led. Oh unleashed, being loosed over uh, this nation, over this world right now, to bring people back into right standing with Christ. And, and, and because, yes, I mean, ever since Christ ascended to heaven, that was the last days. 
Okay, so why are we so hung up? We need to understand that we need to live ready. We need to be prepared. And you know what our responsibility is? Is to be fishers of men. That we need to allow the spirit, so to speak, of John the Baptist to so live in us, to prepare the way. Because Christ is coming. We need to live ready. We need to live a life of repentance. Bethany needs to live a daily life of repentance. That when I make a mistake, when I do wrong, not only do I go to those, go to my husband and ask for forgiveness, but I also go to my father and ask for forgiveness live live ready that's how we live ready but we've got to also prepare the way so this is John the Baptist you know what's going on and so um and so as a result of John the Baptist urging people to repent people went to him all over they were confessing their sins they were getting their life right and he began to just instant baptize you know baptize them doom you know just baptize them right there you know and uh John the Baptist you know he lived up to his name <laughs> and so um but I, I want to read just a few verses and then I am going to wrap up to my point um here talking about step over vipers. We're talking, um, I'm talking about going into our next, going in, in order for us to go to our next, we've got to see the new thing God's doing and then it shall spring up. If we don't see the new thing and we're so focused on the now, we're so focused on the past, we, it will not spring forth. We're not going to be able to attain those things. And so, um, Matthew chapter three, verses three through 12, um, I'm just going to begin, excuse me. I'm actually going to start with verse seven. Um, and I'm just going to read it to you guys. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. I'm going to read that verse eight again. It says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, what kind of fruit are you producing? That's what John the Baptist is, is, is telling the Pharisees, the religious crowd, the religious spirits that are coming while he's baptizing people and getting them set free and getting them prepared for Christ that's coming, getting them ready for the next. And the Pharisees are coming to criticize. The Sadducees are coming to criticize. And he begins to say, you brood of vipers. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, what are you producing? And I want to ask you tonight, what type of fruit are you producing in your life? You know, is it good fruit? Is it bad fruit? Uh, true repentance is, is tested by the fruit that you bear. True repentance, a life of, of true repentance, a repentant heart, means that I am able to receive correction. A repentant heart, this is what a repentant heart means. That I'm, I, I'm, I'm able to receive correction from the Lord, from those who I submit myself under. In addition to that, when, when the Lord, out of his loving way, begins to bring correction, I'm going to turn from that, right? And so, anyway, verse uh, 9 says, And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children from Abraham. What he's saying here, breaking it down here, just because their forefather, he's telling the Pharisees, just because your forefather is Abraham, it doesn't exempt you from getting your life right with God. Right. And, and, and you know, a religious spirit will justify their lifestyle based upon the righteousness of those in their bloodline. I, I'm going to say that again. 
because I think that is so powerful. And this is, you know, I love John the Baptist because he did not hold any punches back. He let everybody have it, <laughs> you know, and, and he, let the, he let the Pharisees have it. And, and I think that, that we need to make note of this because I believe that when we, whenever you start pursuing your next, get ready for the vipers to start showing up oh. in your life because they will always meet you on the borders of the baptism. They will always meet you when you are being anointed and baptized to go into your next season. So don't be surprised. Don't lose your focus when the Pharisees start showing up and criticizing your anointing, your baptizing before you're going into your next. Don't be surprised, but know that a part of that baptism, a part of that anointing for you to go into your next has already equipped you to step on over those vipers that try to come and try to be critical and try to say things that would destroy you and try to uh, do all, all, all this stuff to try to get your focus off. Forget what people are saying about you. Forget what people are, 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 are trying to do against you. You've got to stay focused. You've got to see that I'm doing a new thing, says Lord. That, that when you see the new thing, that is when it's going to spring forth. So John the Baptist is calling him out and he's beginning to tell him that, you know, he's telling the Pharisees, that are, which is a religious spirit, that, you know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people that will justify their sin, their lifestyle. I'm talking about people that are in the pulpit that will justify their life, their sin, and think it's okay because there's people in their bloodline who are righteous. So they think they can ride off of somebody else's righteousness rather than repenting themselves. Come on, let me just drop the mic right there. Yeah. You know, and we've got to understand that we have to have a relationship with God. We've got to have a relationship with, with Christ ourselves. We cannot ride off of somebody else's righteousness. We've got That's to pay right. the price. And you know what? It's work. You know what? <laughs> It, it's a lot of work. It's hard work, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And so, um, anyway, I, I'm going to actually go further. You know, he begins to talk about, you know, he gives them a good chewing, uh, the Pharisees, about it and just exposes them about everything that they're doing wrong. John the Baptist is telling them that they need to have a relationship with Christ themselves, not based upon others. So I'm going to skip on over really quick because I, I want to um, break it down and say, you know, for those of us that may not understand or those of us that may understand, maybe this would help to bring different revelation to you that the Pharisees not only, you know, yes, it represents uh, a, a religious spirit, yeah, these were people that were in the church in the temple. I believe that, that there's a shaking right now that's going yeah. on. Yeah. I believe that the John the Baptist right now is rising up and, and are making the way straight for Christ to come and for this move that is coming that we will see. We will see in our lifetime. And, and I believe that um, the, there's also a war of the Pharisees that are rising up as there are people that are getting baptized. And I think that we got to understand that the greatest enemy to our next is our focus, the lack of focus, and to try to steal our focus. And um, the Pharisees, are, it's a sect, they were a sect of self-righteous and zealous Jews who held to the letter of their interpretations of the law and to their own traditions, regardless of whether they nullified the word or not. These are people in the church. They held on to their tradition, even if it was contrary to the word of God. This was what they believed. And um, uh, they were also Christ's bitterest, if that's even a word, 
most bitter enemies. They're the ones who even crucified, they put Christ on the cross. Okay, that same spirit, you know, and, and that religious spirit. So if, if, if Jesus himself, his greatest enemy in his ministry, as we read, the greatest enemy were the Pharisees and the Sadducees to his ministry. And it was a critical spirit. Um, and it was, you know, all that. And so um, that's what he's addressing here. These are the people that are coming. John the Baptist is baptizing people in the, you know, in water, getting people saved. People are, are confessing their sins and changing, you know, getting all this stuff right with God. And and the Sadducees come right there, and he begins to call them out. He says, you brood of vipers. And so I want to just do a quick little study on that um, as we look deeper in the spirit realm about vipers. So in the natural, we understand that vipers are small, poisonous snakes. Not snakes, hallelujah. Snakes, I'm trying to say. I might be hungry or something. Um, they hide in cracks of walls and under rocks. You know, one thing I thought was really interesting, interesting that you said is that when the coronavirus brings confusion to your cells, to me, there's a whole sermon right there. Because when we look right now, one of the main spirits that's coming against the body of Christ, coming against this nation, is what? A spirit of confusion. And you know what combats a spirit of confusion? is a spirit of truth. Yeah. And the spirit of truth, like John the Baptist, must just tell it like it is and expose those religious spirits that are trying to hide and to attack us when we come by. So this is what he calls them, you brood of vipers. He's saying, you venomous snakes, you, you poisonous snakes who hide and you're deceitful and you bring confusion, you know? And, and, and they, you know, one thing that's interesting about vipers is they're even involved in cannibalism that's been reported among, you know, in the natural, talking about that. They eat their own kind. There are people that claim Christianity, that bear the name Christianity, but yet they will devour their own kind because when they see somebody else going to their next they don't they can't handle it because it doesn't go to their tradition even if it's contrary to the word of god and so they will come and attack you like they did john the baptist like they did christ and so jeremiah 8 verse 17 and let me just back up and say this is that um you know Vipers, they deliver painful and potentially fatal bites. And I've got to say, there's a lot of people that I know that are ministers, that are Christians, that are, you know, in one of the most painful experiences that they have ever heard, uh, ever experienced or heard, ever experienced have come from where? From the church. And the majority of the time, it's based upon these vipers, the religious spirits, because they will go and eat their own kind, you know, um, Anyway, I don't have time to continue on a lot of that. But when we make a decision to enter our new beginning, our new season, we need to also be prepared for the vipers that will be meeting us on the banks of the river. And I'm telling you that, that God, even in the midst of what we want to refer to as a famine, um, God is still provided for his people. God is still providing for his people. And so it doesn't even matter, even in the midst of our worst moments, God is still providing for us. We need to understand to be on guard as Pastor Bev began to share. You know, when in the word does it say to take your armor off in the word? Have you ever read? I mean, nobody's ever read that. That it's not in the word to take our armor off. That means that even when I come to church, guess what? Because there's vipers possibly that are in church, I might ought to keep my armor on because 
A lot of times people take their armor off in church because they think it is such a safe place because they feel the anointing, the power of God, and that's the presence of God. But yet there are humans, there are broken people that come to church. So we must keep our armor on. And hopefully that makes sense. But once we make a commitment to go to the next level, that's when religious spirits show up. Once you begin to make a commitment to the Lord to repent, to turn from your sinful lifestyle, that is when the vipers show up. It's time for us to expose the vipers on the river. You know, I believe that that's what the church, what we as the church, as the body of believers, we need to expose the vipers that are on the riverbanks that are being critical of our preparation of the next move. You know, they were preparing for Christ to come. They were getting everything right because Christ was coming. We need to be prepared. We need to be on guard. We need to, you know, be studying. We need to be involved in in, in our personal time in prayer and reading the word of God, getting involved, getting our our spirit and and our faith on high by reading, uh, you know, listening to biblical sound teaching, uh, all of that because, you know, uh, because we're preparing for the next move. We're preparing for the next move. And so God has given us the power to step over the vipers. A viper's agenda in your life is to prevent your entry into your new beginning. That is the assignment of a viper in your life is to prevent a viper's agenda in your life is to prevent your entry into your new beginning, into your next, into your new season. Why? Because they know that once you enter your new beginnings, that is when the miracles will start flowing from your life. That is when signs and wonders will begin to take place. That is when the supernatural will be released at a greater level in your life. Vipers and religious spirits want to quench the flow of the Holy Spirit. They were critical. When we read the word, you know, this is, you know, it's in the word, that they were critical of miracles and healings that Jesus performed. Because they, even though it may have been in the word, they were critical of it. So a religious spirit is going to be critical of signs and wonders and miracles. They're going to try to oppose it and stop the flow of that. And, and we have got to more so than ever to continue to contend and fight for the flow and to push the flow of the Holy spirit to be activated in our life. So be aware of the agenda of the enemy. We're not afraid of the agenda of the enemy. But we are aware, and we are also aware that God has equipped us with everything that we need to live an overcoming life, that we can actually begin to step over the vipers that try to come, that try to poison us. We have to refuse in this season to allow poison to be attached to our spirit, to be attached to our soul in this season, whether that become, uh, you know, I, I, um, Part of, part of the thing about people that are falling by the wayside and not being committed in church also is a prime opportunity. The enemy comes in, in seasons of isolation. And when we isolate ourselves and we're not surrounded by other faith-believing uh, Christians, what a perfect way for a viper to poison us, to cause bitterness, to cause unforgiveness, to cause complaining as you begin to preach about. You preached about it last Tuesday and then again this, uh, this Tuesday, last night, about how that we are canceled God's blessings when we begin to complain. Plane. I'm going to tell you, you know, what a powerful story that you read uh, last night. I, I'm forgetting the, the names of the woman. Uh, tell me who it was. That Michael. When, when, yes, I'm sorry. When Michael, she, she wanted to have a child, and, and that was a promise of God. But because of her complaints and what she began to speak, it canceled the new beginning. Mm-hmm. Canceled the next generation. It canceled right. the next generation. Her future. 
I'm going to tell you that we've got to we've got to understand we've got to understand the power of our mouth. We've got to understand the power of what the words that we speak. And I just want to challenge each and every one of us, you know, that to you know we we need to discern the spirits that are of those that are around us. Yes. To to ask God for discernment. There may be yes. some people in your life that you know Christian, non-Christian, whatever, that we need to dismiss from our life in a very loving, gracious way that the Holy Spirit will give to us. But we need to be careful in this season. If we're wanting to go to that next, we need to make sure that we uh, protect our sphere. We, we protect our circle. And, you know, some of us, we've been overtaken by vipers and we need healing. We've been overtaken by those that Pharisees, a religious spirit. We need healing in our life. And I'm believing that there are those that God's going to be bring. God is able to bring healing to you, you know, in those situations. You know, everybody's got church hurt. I got church hurt. Everybody's got church hurt. But here, here's what makes a difference in a believer who's had church hurt. And is, is there some that choose to hold on to it? And to allow that venom to continue in their life. And there are others that say, you know what? That was an experience. God healed me and I'm moving forward. And that's what God wants us to do is to move beyond that and to allow that healing and to not become bitter um, in, in those situations. So there are some that may need to repent. You know, some of us viewing in tonight, we may need to repent. We may need to ask God, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I haven't been doing what's right. I haven't been doing, uh, and there's things in my life that I know I shouldn't be entertaining, but you know what? God is there to forgive us. Jesus forgives us. All we have to do is we have to, whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And some of us, you know, are uncomfortable right now. Some of us are too, are wanting to maybe try to, you know, think about tuning this off right now. But the bottom line is the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart and that uncomfortable feeling that you are experiencing right now is the tugging of the Holy Spirit to bring you back into the kingdom to right standing with him. And so I just want to challenge you that if that's you and you feel like, you know what, maybe I haven't been doing everything right, you know, God is right there. He has never left. He has never left. Christ is willing and wants to forgive you. All you have to do is ask for him to forgive you of your sins. And you know what? He will. And then when we repent, that means the Holy Spirit's also going to come help us that those addictions that we've developed, that those mindsets that we've developed, that through time and through a healing process, we will find complete deliverance in those areas. We just have to submit our life to him. We can't expect you know, for habits and things to instantly, it, although I do, I don't put limitation on God. There are people who instantly have been able to totally get, uh, totally set free of addictions. But most of the time, it's a healing, not a miracle yeah. in these types of situations. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, blessed he is the man who the Lord doesn't, you know, paraphrase him, but doesn't count his sin against him, you know. And uh, just, you know, I mean, when I, when I was 22 years old and I got saved, Boy, I cursed like a sailor. I mean, boy, it was bad. And then within, within all I had was one Christian CD was Jason Upton Faith. That's all I had. I had no music. I didn't know anything about church. I just listened to that CD over and over again. And within seven days, I didn't curse anymore. I mean, it just was boom, a complete change. But um, I want to go back to just real quick, and and you know, I think what you're saying is so incredible. Uh, you know, baptism is a symbol of repentance and redemption. Basically, it means I was living away, and now I'm getting things right. And so what you're saying in layman's terms is that, hey, 
when you start to say in your heart or when you start to say, God, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to start to get these things right. Don't be surprised that people show up, come on, with some condemnation, some strong words, a set of rules and legalism yep. to put on top of you to, to, to make that. Because I'm telling you what, baptism is an amazing thing. You know, I've had an honor to be baptized as an adult and then help baptize other people. And that is like holy water. And it's a, and it's a, it's a very, it's probably the most humbling thing you can ever do in ministry because you're standing there as a vessel with, a, with, with people in water and they are now going through a transformation of baptism, uh, which is one of the doctrines of the kingdom of God, and you're literally standing there, and, there, and there's, there's some type of transference that happens in that baptism of redemption, and then really sealing what God has done through salvation. And, and so, when you go to get it right, what Bethany's saying, Pastor Bethany's saying, is expect people mm-hmm. to come to put the legalism on you. You know, one of the greatest messages I heard by one of the pastors that served early, he said, we, we, we try to catch the fish, then we try to tell them how to live. Man, we just need to catch them and let Jesus clean yes. them. Yeah. Yes. Amen. And, and, you know, just let Amen. Jesus clean Amen. them. We just need to catch them. Get them in the boat, but let the Holy yes. Spirit, once they're in the boat, the Holy Spirit will do the work. We're not the Holy Spirit. We're just vessels to help bring man to God, but it's God who changes us. I've never changed a person in my life. It's only God that changes people. Amen. Amen. That's right. Very good. I think tonight's been challenging. I think for all of us, there are, are great days ahead of us. Amen. You know, when, as we're moving forward, and I say as we, all of us hopefully are moving forward. And hopefully all of us are determined that we're going to get the breakthrough that we need. If you've turned your heart over to the Lord, you can count on it. Amen. Things are going to come against you yes. to make you question whether you did the right thing or not. It's going to come against you, criticism, condemnation, all these things are coming. You say, well, that doesn't sound very encouraging. <laughs> uh, well, the reality of it is the devil doesn't want you to change. That's right. He wants Amen. to keep you the way you have been because the way you have been is not a threat to him. Amen. But the moment that you change, now you threaten his environment, to take it back for the kingdom of God. So as we're going forward, let's take some territory. Let's take back what the enemy's stolen. And, 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 you know, we we sing that song, we we say all that kind of stuff, but the reality of it is there are people that have been stolen from the kingdom of God, Mm. and we need to start taking back what the enemy has stolen. We need to start taking territory. We need to get frustrated uh, when we're seeing things that are not not scriptural, but we see the world trying to invoke its uh, thoughts and its theories upon us. We need to stand on the word of God and let God be God in our life. You know, we've had several people that I personally know who are leaders and ministers watching from several different states tonight. And I know that, um, in fact, it's more than we normally have of people in leadership and in ministry and I just feel like that, once again, it's uh, the Holy Spirit has ordered what was shared tonight. Yeah. We just want you to know there's uh, several of our own parishioners and close friends here in South Louisiana watching. But there's pastors that are in, from South Louisiana and leaders from Florida, Pensacola area, Mobile. Um, 
Texas, both Beaumont, Dallas, all these regions that I'm seeing you tuning in and watching Baytown. I just want you to know that we are all in this thing together. Yes, and um, this has been a phenomenal broadcast. Bethany shared portions, I know, of a sermon that she delivered many years ago about stepping over the vipers. So many truths in that. So many truths for all of us to glean from. Understanding we are constantly talking about the necessity to have the supernatural and the Holy Spirit at work within our lives. And uh, for every believer, you need the Holy Spirit. You need discernment in your life. You know, one of the tricky things about the vipers, as she said, is they hide. Mm. They hide in the crevices. They hide under rocks. And they begin to do their work in the secret places. You don't know when they're going to strike. And you don't know when they're going to strike. But we have a God who's, who knows and who will forewarn us yes. and will give us the strategies that we need to offset yes. every attack Amen. the enemy planned in an endeavor to thwart our growth. Amen. He is a defeated foe. Yes. And we are so excited about our future yes. and about where God is taking us. We cannot afford to have blinders on and only see what's happening right now in front of us. We must continue to project forward to what he has promised to us through his word, promised to us through our own prayer life, and promised to us through prophetic words of people that have come and spoken over our lives and ministries. And we know that the best is yet to come. And for each and every one of you, and just for a moment, I want to speak specifically to those in ministry and in leadership. The devil's used every way he can to try to discourage us and cause us to give up during this season. But we just speak life to you, love to you, hope and encouragement. Hang on. Keep pressing in. Keep persevering. Keep touching God's people. So many that are broken and hopeless around us. There's never been a greater time for the church to shine than right now. We love you and thank you for giving your time to tune into this broadcast this evening. You know, step over the vipers. We've got a lot of vipers around us at times. But when you when you understand their tactics and understand where they hang out at, you can you can avoid them and. Even if they do strike, you know, I, I, I think that uh, we can make belts out of them or boots, you know. <laughs> the reality of it is don't, don't let it bother you. Just keep on walking. God's, yes. got, you, God's got you by the hand. Yeah. He's going to bring you through situations and through the problems. We're going to pray with you before we leave today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, ask him to come yes. into your heart. Ask him to make himself real to you. And I promise you this, he will make himself real to you. Then the next step. Get filled with the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you, uh, teach you uh, uh, of the Father, and move into right relationship with Him. Father, I just thank you for everyone that's joined us today. I ask you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit be upon them. For all the ministers that are are watching, Lord, we ask you to give them a, a, a strength that goes beyond their own capabilities, oh God. Your Holy Spirit, oh God, let it come upon them and give them direction Give them insight in these troubled waters that we're living in called life right now. 
Father, move upon them. Lord, we just thank you. And for every other person that's watching, Lord, let your Holy Spirit minister to yes, them Lord. and move upon them. Father, in the Guide name of our Jesus. steps, Lord, in the name Father, of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 We love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in tonight. And we'll see you again Sunday morning.